Hi, this is Alt-Ack. This is Patrick. This is Robin looking for a pen. Ro while Robin's looking for a pen, um, which I don't have because I'm, I'm bad at this. Um, Keep talking. The, um, the, this is a podcast where we discuss um, digital humanities and performance scholarship with much less um, reverence than it probably deserves. And also talk about experiences of being in the academy from two people at the bottom of the food chain. So, um, as Robin is looking for this, this is the part of the podcast where, um... Okay, here are my notes. So today, what are we going to talk about today? Okay, so we're going to do a little, um, we're going to do a little bit of, I'm going to surprise you with a question I have for you. I, did you want to talk about the purchase of the ringer? Oh yeah, let's talk about the... Let's and then we're going to talk about, um, Vince Maserko and authenticity. Oh, Vince Maserko. But let me, let's go back. We so... I don't really, we don't need to talk about the Oscars. The Oscars happened, but you've heard a million things about I it. I do have a, a little thing I want to Do you have a bone say. to pick? No, this is just sort of about the discourse around the Oscars. Because okay. as you know, it was the the lowest um, rated Oscars telecast of all time, which makes sense because TV ratings have been steadily going down for live events for the last 20 yeah. years. So that's not a surprise. What I was surprised about was when I would ask people if they watched the Oscars, it wasn't just that they said no. It was like they were angry at me that I even asked them the question. Someone went on this very long discussion where they're like, well, you know, Patrick, the, when the, when an institution reinscribes racism over and over again over a long period of time. Was that Erica? It was not. <laughs> okay. It was a... And so I kind of was just like... That was a compliment to Erica because she's doing research on that. Yeah, no, she's done a, a lot of really good research on the Oscars. Yeah. And... Um, I thought it was a better ceremony, but, like, I was just kind of annoyed. I, I don't know if it was that I was annoyed or that I was hurt or that I was just, like, I, I felt like someone had told me Santa Claus didn't exist for the first time when people yeah. were like, oh, you shouldn't like the Oscars. And, yeah, I know. No, I one, like, who, no one likes the Oscars. It's, at this point, it's an obligation. Yeah. It, yeah, that's exactly what it just is. Just because you watch it doesn't mean you agree with its completely subjective almost seemingly random. It's one of the only shared cultural experiences that I get excited about every year, and it's a sporting event to me. It's like, my I, Super Bowl. Yes, that's exactly what it is. And, like, I I don't take it seriously, um, and I, like, advocate, like, yeah, it's the power, the race power structures and the gender power structures this year, uh, and it's not going to get better next year. Okay, so we're going a little bit off. I'm just going right, to reel us back. Yeah, just like, it's okay. Like, I'm allowed to watch the Oscars without feeling like shit. I mean, you got enough to feel like shit about, so... You're let not you wrong. Have the, let you, let's let you have the Oscars. Um, so we both went to an Oscar party. Um, you looked fabulous, by Thank the way. Thank you. I was wearing my um, my J-Lo from Kohl's. And every... See, so you kept saying J-Lo, and everybody was expecting the Versace. I know. And that was so why were, it was so funny. Is yeah. That, like, I... They're like, no, I'm in, like... I'm in Kohl's era J-Lo. Like, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a mom party dress. Oh. Should we say... I can cut this out, and if you don't want to... Yeah. Should we say our pronouns? Oh, yeah. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. My pronouns... This is Robin, by the way. Hi, Robin. can tell us apart. My pronouns are she, her, hers. Yeah. Okay. So here's what I want to say about the Oscar party. Mm -hmm. um, I had a lovely time. It was a real, real interesting, I should say, motley crew full of people. But here's what I wanted to say. Have you found... 
that, well, maybe not you because I'm in a culture studies program. Mm-hmm. Like we all have this archival knowledge of popular culture mm-hmm. that probably away from here was very unique. But I feel like there's something that happens when cultural scholars get together where they're just basically shouting their knowledge at each other. Yeah. Did you feel that? Yeah, but it it was not unpleasant. I I could see you enjoying it less. But, like, Oscars is one of the things I most... Like, I nerd out about Oscars. Like, I already have released my predictions for next year's Oscars. I mean, not that I was, like, a prim and... I mean, I was pretty obnoxious. I was yelling and, and... and rolling around on the floor. Well, it's once a year as a emancipated spectator. Yeah, you know we should we should be yelling back at these these beautifully dressed people. Why do you? I don't. Why do you think it annoys me? I because because you don't like people. That is not true. Okay, can you? I was kind of joking when I said that you don't like people, but okay. I also think that you have very specific cultural behaviors that are triggers for you to. For like annoyed affect, and that they—that is very true. I'll give you that. And that that you have a little bit of a Larry David thing that comes out every once in a while. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, and I'm not I'm not saying that just because. Um, Cue the music. <laughs> yes, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is interesting. Um, so, why can I think of his name? Bill Simmons uh, was a former in uh, ESPN. Um, guy started uh, Grantland and was like... Uh, Grantland. Yeah. Well, it's like a, in one of like the first-ish waves of podcasting, although yeah. I think I think using like historicizing different eras of podcasting yeah. is dumb. Yeah, it's but too new. It's too new. But he was, he had the, he was the first podcast to interview President Obama while he was sitting. So he was the first podcaster to interview a sitting president. Runs a podcast network called The Ringer. Which um, is one of my favorite podcasts is on there, Bachelor Party. That Juliet Littman. Yeah, Juliet Littman. She's really good. Yeah. Um, and I think that she likes it that she likes it sincerely. Yeah. I don't feel like she's making fun of it or watching it ironically. Do you listen to her podcast? No. You're copying what I said on the podcast that we erased. Yes. Okay. But thank you for listening. Um, so I mentioned that on the show last week that I listened to Bill Simmons's um, sports podcast, um, and uh, the day after we recorded it, um, it was announced that Spotify bought um, uh, the Ringer for was it twenty five million? I think so. Twenty five million. That's more money than Cats made in its entire run. Um, you also messaged me and said the gold rush is on. The gold rush is on, and you can see it if you're. If you're following a lot of um, Westwood One, just um, released a statement on their plan to to reach two billion dollars in revenue in podcasting total, um, and they have a goal to to get forty four percent of the population listening to podcasts. Is what would necessary. just to them or to listen to podcasts? I think to listen to podcasts in general. I would so think that that we're almost at that number. We're we're thirty two right now, according to Westwood One. Okay, that make that is, and talk about gold rush. We got to get in on this academic component, which we know is going to make a lot of money. The podcasters are in. Just let that sink in. Yeah. So, um, so, so when we talk to her on the video call, do we introduce ourselves as um, as hosts of the podcast Alt Act? No, but 
we got to find it. We're going to find a way to, to get some, some, I mean, I'll pay it, but we're going to, we're going to talk about some, some outreach ideas. Yeah. I have some ideas at some point I would like to do a, a Patreon campaign to send us to Epcot. <laughs> Only if Horizons is still there. Only if Horizons. Okay. So, so anyway, so the, anyway, that's... Que- the, the thing that it seems to happen now is one, several things that came out from Spotify sale. It should be stated that this is at least the second major podcasting network that Spotify has purchased. The first, of course, being Gimlet. Yeah. Do you listen to any Gimlet podcasts? I, I'm sure I have. Um, I think that they are doing the best in, they are the best of like the East Coast Ira Glass style podcasting, I would say. Okay. I would, I really love uh, Reply All is one of my favorites. But so there's a sense that they are a lot of people are concerned because they're afraid that Spotify is going to become the Microsoft of podcasting. And even in their press conference, the head of Spotify said that called the ringer the new ESPN. It's inevitable because if you want to make money off podcasts, we're, it's going to be sucked up into the capitalist market. Like unless you want to keep doing Patreons, which some people would prefer to do, I mean, this is going to happen. Speaking of Patreons, um, Waiting to Excel is back. Oh, waiting good. to Excel is back, and they did, Are you a Patreon I am not, subscriber? Um, because I'm thinking of, um, of writing about them, I feel like it would be a conflict of interest if I gave them money. So why not withhold your money for their labor and write an article that in, for an academic journal that no one's going to read? When you put it like that, it makes me sound like the asshole. No, I mean, I think, obviously, we are both into public scholarship right. and making things accessible, and I think we're both in the humanities because we care about what humans do and why humans do thing, the things they do. Yeah, and I think that... So that's where the scholarship comes yeah, in. Yeah, that's where the scholarship comes in, and I think public scholarship is become, going to become as important as public podcasting as a lot of these podcasts that we love... Um, go behind paywalls potentially like yeah. Spotify that's okay because you know artists should be get paid for what they do and assigning monetary value is one of the ways that we assign value in this just like nightmarishly capitalist society I mean I guess if you were writing about film you'd have to rent the film you would have to rent the film that's true or get it from a library yeah, or streaming or streaming I mean yeah but what one of the things that it makes me think about was we assumed that the archive, was infinite. I feel like there was an aesthetic of the like imagination of the infinite archive with yeah, podcastings because it's it's yeah it has no it had the codec has no end. If it's gonna be bought, I'm kind of okay with it. Yeah, people were worried of, of and like I it's, think it's just the same the same podcast thing. is more discoverable. It's more accessible. More people know podcasts. I mean Spotify. Right, but. Like, I'm just thinking about it, like, in terms of uh, the nature of the thing, uh, and if if it's con- it, it reinforces the idea of digital content and deprivileges, I think, the performer, especially when you are um, packaging them together and bundling them together like they're subprime mortgages. Oh, look, um, the professor is in podcast episode just dropped. It's called Dealing with Rejection. Aww. Yeah. So, <laughs> speaking of that. <laughs> oh, we want to, so, so, so are we going to talk about my marriage now? No, no. We're going to talk about, this is the part of the podcast where we talk about good things that happen to us academically or whatever. Okay. I'll start. Yeah. 
I um, have a dissertation advisor. I proposed, and she said yes, and we're registered at JSTOR <laughs> and EBSCO. Thanks for laughing, because I already said that joke to you once before. It's behavior twice performed. Stop. <laughs> stop. Stop practicing your stand-up, okay? So that was good. I didn't think... I, I ran into her, and I didn't think to ask her right then, but it just... I was like, hey, why not? Like, Because we were trying to find a time to meet... And it was a couple weeks away, and I was like, I'm not going to wait to meet her again to say it. So she's really excited. Um, she's already sending me ideas. I just, I'm glad that she is actually excited about the idea. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I just need somebody who do, who's not going to be like, why are you wasting your time on this? Yeah. Well, I have exciting news. I got an email today that says I've been accepted into an honor society. Patrick, you've already said that joke to me. And I, I think I, on this podcast. I probably have. Um <laughs> So, no, this was kind of a, a shitty week for me academically, so I'm going to brag on someone else. Okay. Um, uh, we had a really good, I'm in a historiography class, and today was class-led discussions, and we had two of the master students had did very good jobs, was that you're not performing scholar as much as you're embodying it now. Damn. And he Damn, was, son. <laughs> and, um... Um, so we, just to clarify, yeah. so... Uh, in Patrick's and mine seminars, yeah. which overlap a lot, they are a mix of master's students and PhD students, and mm-hmm. that can create some anxiety for the master's students to think. But they need to know that PhD, like, we don't know what we're doing. There are, there are people that hadn't talked up in a while that I heard talk today. Yeah, and uh, it was, and Nicole Tuttle did a very good presentation today as well. She had a very, I, I, I always, she she even managed me in a very diplomatic way, and you know I'm I'm difficult um, in discussion. Is that I don't know if you know this. Sometimes I I over explain things, you know, or make bad jokes, or make bad. Jo- I did make a couple bad jokes today, and one of which uh, didn't go over. Do you notice that <clears throat> even if I stop you, I always laugh? Right, but that's I what, do. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of why a problem because B. F. Skinner said that intermittent. Um, um, reinforcement is the same so as positive reinforcement. Give you, do you want me to give you an electric shock instead? We'll do negative reinforcement. I don't know. Like, uh, I'm, like, okay, so I got to go back like four steps. <laughs> that's that's what it's <laughs> like talking. Uh, I don't even remember what thread I wanted to go off of. Oh, okay. Um, well, you were saying about just, so this is my eighth semester here because I did mm-hmm. my master's program here as well. And I remember the stomach ache I would have going into class for like the the first two years even. And now like I like it, it you get practice. Like you go in and you understand how class is. And I said something probably kind of stupid today, but like I, I just sort of like what it probably wasn't stupid and it kind of I just let it roll off and I ask questions and I say I don't understand. So it takes practice. So I think that some PhD students can be performative scholars. I can do that sometimes. Yeah, I've seen you do it. And it it doesn't do anybody good. It doesn't do themselves good because right. you're not showing what you learn. Right. You're supposed to be here for learning. Like, why else are we here? For the money? Right. I think I'm increasingly just getting... Okay. It, it makes up for my, my lack of internal substance. You think... you Are you being sarcastic now? I don't even know. Like, because, like, sometimes I wonder if my charmingness is an affect or if I'm naturally charming. What? 
if what does it matter which one is there really a difference i don't i don't know i don't know if charming is an, an innate essence of oneself it's kind right. of an outward behavior yeah and because sociopaths can be charming that's true so like what is authenticity okay you do we want to <laughs> we're gonna wow you tra- so we're in a conference room there's a whiteboard and patrick has written the question on the board and double underlined it we are reading an article from the journal of media and cultural studies oh sorry continuum Journal of Media and Culture <laughs> Studies from 2015, volume 29, number 6, pages 796 to 810, <laughs> http slash slash Are you going to read D-O-I? <laughs> okay. Uh, it is The Pursuit of Authenticity on Mark Marin's WTF Podcast by Vincent M. Maserko. And uh, this is, you are, you really like this article because I think this is also one of the first articles that has appeared that's like scratches your podcast itch as far as research well it's it's i think it's an important it's coming the journal that it's in is not a is not a media journal is it continuum journal of media and culture studies well shit never mind then but it's Uh, not an exclusively media right and um and he is a lot of the he's also published stuff in humor um journals as well is that his beat is comedy podcasting, which is kind of, I think, one of the most ripe places for performance study analysis of podcasting. Sure. Because I, the thing that I that frustrates me when people are like, I don't see why you're studying podcasting, is that they they're looking at the wrong side of the room. You know, is that like they, they're, they're not in people, the room where it happens? Not the room where it happens. Um, is that like? There are a lot of people that think of podcasting still as this American life, and yeah, or and or more what I what I consider journalism podcasts. Journalism podcasts, and they it like and something with high what I would call high frame podcasts, yeah, sort of not entirely scripted, but very produced and without the sort of spontaneity that right. This very podcast has. Right. Sort of looking at sort of Richard Berry, how Richard Berry sort of looks at the the line uh, of, um, of podcasting that comes from radio as and sort of like the participatory line as being separate. A lot of people, and I think that that, that binary is probably, should probably be probably less stable. Probably podcasting, as we're talking about, almost comes from like college radio. College radio, I think, is a good way. You know, that's yeah. where Sarah Vowell started. Yeah, but for this more sort of um, offbeat, less less slick, more personality-based type but, of stuff. But I think it's interesting with, with Marin and why it's interesting that he uses this as the example of authenticity. Number one, it is, I don't want to historicize this, but it is in but that. you actually do. I do kind of want okay, to historicize it. it. Um, I'll allow it. The... Um, it's it's fitting in a moment in pop culture where the the stand up comedian is given us a an unusually high level of cachet as truth teller. Yeah. Um, between like twenty twelve to twenty fifteen. I mean, there's a reason his podcast is very popular. Yeah, it was very popular, and he was. It is a good. It is a good product. I think that it's interesting. The things that that make it interesting to me as a study of podcast. Is it is it is looking almost entirely at the performance. Yeah. Is that he is not interested in 
the medium itself other than the aesthetic that values these performances. How much scripting does he do as far as like has a list of questions, do you think, or like an out, sort of rough outline? He really, uh, I think maybe a little bit more now. The About a year ago, he had his thousandth episode. Wow. I know, right? A thousand episodes of a podcast. He's been doing this for 11 years now. Yeah. Um, and so... Smash cut to us 11 years from now. Oh, God. I hope so. Yeah. We'll be in the middle of the... Of the, uh, we'll be podcasting out of um, a bunker, like from War, the bunker from War of the Worlds. Yeah, I hope. Okay, sorry, interrupt. Yeah, so, so what he, the argument that Mazerko is making is that the podcasts provide a platform for more authentic performances of self, as as example by. I mean, Mark. he's doing. He's basically doing a textual analysis. Yeah, he's doing a textual podcast. analysis. Yeah. Of three episodes of WTF with Mark so Maron. So he uses, um, I believe, Robin Williams. Robin Williams. And uh, Carlos uh, Mencia. And uh, Jay Moore is it? Jay Moore? Oh, no, Dane Cook. Dane Cook, the other one we don't like. I mean, I guess I don't like Dane Cook. It's, I don't ever think of him really. Well, I think the Dane Cook and the um, Mencia ones are interesting. Well, because they are. They are hated by a lot of people. right, and it's also because the things that are that are being brought up as being more authentic performances of self are are things that we would like maybe inside baseball back of house things that have a very specific stakes and relevance to the people there. Back of house as far as the comedy industry, or yeah, the like it's, yeah, like the comedy industry conversations that would be very private things that comedians would talk about backstage, but you wouldn't know about yeah. if um, if you were... Uh, and I think that that is the thing that people were, are drawn to about Marin is the idea that you're hearing something that you're not... that is being unfiltered. Now, the thing that is not addressed in this article about that is that um, these are all um, edited by uh, Brendan Small. His editor, okay. um, who he's been so working with. So they are with. edited. Okay. Yeah, they're edited. He's been working with them, with Brendan for fifteen years because he was working with them at Air America, um, and they they have done this together for the entire time that they. Now, done. how much? Because his podcasts are pretty long. Right, they are edited, and the way that um, that Brendan has said it is that um, he he looks for the heart of the thing and then just edits around it. But I'll listen every once in a while, and I'll hear a weird cut. Like, if you're very careful, you can, just because of he, Marion has very specific cadences. And I can tell from having listened to him for long enough when one of his transitions isn't the way he would normally transition. Did you um, did you find any of those in the pod, our previous podcast that I edited? Yes. There was, and I thought about you because you said that, but I couldn't help it. Yeah, and it was just because of, like, room tone matching. It wasn't... It wasn't anything in my performance, but um, but what's remarkable about within that is that you, in the process of listening to a lot of these, you don't notice this. There is this experience that, as a listener, you're experiencing these performances as being somehow more real. The And the arguments that Mazerko is making is that it's leading to a more authentic self 
being performed. Well, like, he doesn't go into he. I mean, he's using the word authenticity, and I like he admits he's like, look, authenticity can be. We could spend forever talking about authenticity, but here's how I'm defining it. Right, and I think he does. A I like good. that. That's a good. Like, I want to model that. It's gonna now. I'm he gonna does. Read a he book. cites Goffman, doesn't he? he do, very briefly. Authenticity is most certainly a social construct, but that does not mean that its iterations and expressions aren't valuable or insightful for scholars of media and rhetoric. Social constructs, even even ones as ineffable as the notions of authenticity, tell us much about what what attributes we value in others. So I like that too. He's also like, like not trying to go around it. He's basically saying like, yeah, authenticity, we could, it could be contested forever, but there is a use in it if you use it in certain things like this. Like, yeah, Mark Maron, as much as we're authentic, as you and I have talked, it's still in a performance. Yeah, it's his brand, too. And it's, I think it was yeah. his brand before this podcast because it was someone who was so idiosyncratic and whose brand was based on delving into his psyche. I mean, the guy is, is quoted and cited in a, a personality disorder handbook. I think I think there's an interesting thing with Marin because he's like the the philosophy of his comedic identity that he puts out is sort of like a most neo romanticist with a little bit of a modernist idea of like the internal tortured artist and the part of us that is tortured is the real self. So, and again, I'm asking the question, and yeah. I guess it's a critique. These are all men. Yeah. The examples he uses are men. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that's... So because his three sort of uber examples of authenticity are men, does that mean that he thinks that on this podcast men are the most authentic? It wouldn't... Well, you know, Steph, this is one of the things that Steph Brown has been railing against in a lot of her research. Yeah. Um, the idea of the, um, the stand-up open mic and stand-up comedy as male safe place where men are allowed to be authentic. Women are seen as threats to that. Well, women still have to temper themselves. And I know he has a good rapport with all his guests, but right. knowing what I know about Mark Marin and his like fraught experience with women, I wonder if he feels the tiniest bit of holding back when he's talking to a woman. There, are, But at the time that Mazerka was writing this, um, and the episodes that he was writing about are indicative of what the show was at that time. I mean, these are very... The, the, on, like, his best... If there were best of lists, like, I, I actually... I don't even listen to the show, and I know of these episodes. Yeah. Like they're in my rate on like, my radar. Yeah, the Louis C.K. episodes are legendary um, as, like... like the Michael a, Ian Black one. The Michael Ian Black one is... Well, and like, that's one of the things that, like, the way that I experienced authenticity is Marin's willingness to engage tension and conflict rather than just, like... He's kind of a masochist that way. And yeah. it has to be... Con- he loves when it's conflict and tension with him specifically. Right. He and, and he has said that that comes from his relationship with his father and that he learned how to feed into that energy. Well, that's good because any sort of conflict gives, like, sends me into a spiral. Right. Although I am getting better with it. Right. And, like... And like you know, I I think that I'm I'm really good at I'm a person that if you're my friend you ha- you by proxy have to get better at, at asserting yourself. I think just because of how I am asserting themselves, how like the like setting boundaries and engaging in conflict. You know what I just realized, and this is another com- this is this is now called compliments for Patrick. Oh, 
Um, I confront you a lot because actually I feel comfortable confronting you. <laughs> That's new. I wish I had more people in my life like that. Is that good? I think it is. I think it's good. I think that the I think you're not afraid of conflict, and um, I think that it makes our episodes more listenable. The fact that there is tension, other than us just being like, cats are different than dogs. Oh, stop. <laughs> uh, well, a lot of the tense moments I actually edited out. I did notice that. It just, I, it just, um, it's not that I was embarrassed, but I just. I don't know. Maybe we're so early in the process. Like, yeah, we don't, don't want to scare people off. I don't want to proxy our, you know, it's all good. At the end yeah. of the day. The yeah, and I don't, and like, you know, we. I'm I'm in one of the most stressful periods of yeah, my I'm life. Not, I'm not so like to pushing, that bear. Yeah, like I, I honestly, speaking of authenticity here, I legitimately was afraid that if I came in here tonight, I was just going to start crying. And we were going to record that. <laughs> yeah, and, and it would have been easier to edit <laughs> yes. than the... Um, then the episode, the two and a half hour the episode, the two and a half hour episode. Did you edit that into multiple episodes? No, it, I got it down to fifty, like fifty five minutes. That's what that. Wow, you are amazing at that. This is. I am pretty proud of my, my of, of that. It's yeah. a good. It's a it's a good skill to have. Technically, this sounds really obvious, but like you have to re listen and reassess. Mm-hmm. Like, what are the keywords? What are the main points? Because even though. We're performing authenticity here. When you make a podcast, it has to have like a thesis statement and supporting evidence and and sort of in sort of a, a format that's not exactly like that, but it has to have this purpose. Does authenticity mean something different when a microphone is on um, versus when it is not? I mean, I think that we are being ourselves personality wise but there's things we're obviously not gonna say on mic right like yeah i'm not gonna reveal my social security number (laughs) i mean you're pretty open talking about like troubles with your marriage but you're not gonna go into details on here that's right i i wouldn't because it's possible that leah would listen at some point and you know um i like you know yeah there are things that i hold back you know I have to see save a little, a few of the nooks and crannies in my head for myself, you know. Ah, uh, just made me think of a blueberry English muffin. <laughs> nooks and crannies. Yeah, that's from the the commercial. Nooks, nooks and crannies. By the well, way, well, also, I think in the age of and here we go. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna talk about make big generalizations mm-hmm. in the age of social media because it's overshare, like. I feel like I want to hold back some stuff because I want to get to, if I get to know somebody, I want to use those as like a, you know, like a constant reveal. That's how you create intimacy. Right. And I think that, um, also oversharing, people have no shame sometimes. Yeah. And oversharing is a way of hiding your real self is that like oversharing is a way of narrativizing things that you're not comfortable with being true. Yeah. Is, I think that that's why I, I have overshared in the past and why I'm through too many things at you at once. Yeah, you did. I like do you do you think I use that as like subterfuge to keep to control conversations? By okay, by you asking that are you admitting that that's your motive? No, I'm it's something I've wondered about and it's something that I've been accused of before. I think that, and this is not a secret, it's been on this, I've said this on this podcast, I don't know if I edit it out, that you 
go on, you, you talk, and then it makes, and then you think on, you like to share your knowledge, which sometimes gets away from the point because, you, like, maybe one thought makes you think of another, and it can appear as if you're not listening to the other person. Right, but I am listening to I you. Yeah, so, but I'm saying, like, yeah. a, you know, intent, and, you know, just like Stuart Hall said, you can encode something, but yeah. what are we going to decode? Yeah, and intent does not matter. I don't it, I don't think that you do that intentionally, but I think that if you were to continue to do that and not understand it or not try to improve it, I think that's just as bad. Right. You know and I, mean? I and I do think I'm actively making an effort. Um, oh yeah, definitely. And I think in the time that you've known me, you can see an evolution yeah. in that um I think that like listening to I've people, trained you well. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. It's that's true. I you know how do you tra- how to train your your Patrick? <laughs> Does editing out your flaws make you less authentic? Because I th- true there are because I think that Mazerko makes a couple points at at once is that like he talks about a more authentic self emerging, but at the same time it's a willingness to deal and acknowledge with darker thoughts. So. And I know that this is this is going to sound like me just being cute, but you is, can't help it. Is this social drama? Um, probably a social drama plays out like a micro social drama plays out in each episode. Right, and that I mean there are a lot of different ways to think about this. I think one of the things you also have to think about is how space plays into this aesthetic of authenticity. If we sort of accept Mazerko's definition of it here's what i mean by authenticity which sidebar on that um footnote um footnote three okay um Mazerko is also accessing a narrative uh, a persona that marin has built is that he has used the word authentic to refer to himself mark marin yes has. Um, i'm sure he has and he uses this phrase to to refer to his podcast's origins is he's very good at myth-making as calling it an act of desperation. So just going back, you were talking about kind of like what you're working on, what you're trying. Do you think that having this time in this podcast helps? I think so. I think that I, this d- is... I don't want to call it therapy. Um, yeah, no, you're not, not, not trained to, as a therapist, and I'm not trained as a lawyer. Neither of us are giving legal advice. <laughs> um, is now the time to mention that we both have the same mental health care providers yes now it's plural yes <laughs> now like now we're hitting like what's interesting is i don't know if you've noticed you notice this because we edited it there are certain things that we say in every episode and we perform in every episode but every time that we perform them they're still true and and they're still happening but it's not like a fake performance it's an authentic performance because we're like, it, yeah, it's a fun thing that we both have the same therapist and psychiatrist. Um, and we, I feel like jokes on them. They don't know that, but, like, they don't care, and they couldn't admit if they knew. Like, if I was like, oh, did you see Patrick today? They have to pretend that they right. don't know. Right, yeah, they know. can't do anything in, about that. And, yeah. Um, you can't help yourself. Uh, D- Dr. Deese is re- very big on, like, aha moments in reflection. And what was amazing is someone's alarm was set to take on me. Wow. And I and I said, there's your aha moment. And how many people laughed? None, so then I repeated it. 
That is your <laughs> that is your mode of operation. And then I said waka waka waka. <laughs> and then what happened? I don't know. I don't I mean Do we want to play Is It Authentic? Okay. Okay. Is it authentic? Terry Gross. Terry Gross or her show? Terry uh, Fresh Air with Terry Gross. No. My brother, my brother and me's laughter. No. Is this all going to be podcast based? No. Um, Cadova. The, the Mexican food? Yes. It's authentic to this area's idea of Mexican food. Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. It's an authentic simulacra. <laughs> yes. I, I actually... It's a very authentic theme park experience of something else. The Irishman. Authentic what? It's authentic uh, as a film because it is actors on a stage or on a, in a scene recording and there's a camera and it recorded a story. So therefore, yes, it is an authentic film. Louis C.K.'s Apology. Which one? No, not authentic. Hannah Gadsby's Nanette. No. Tony and Tina's Wedding. <laughs> it's authentic. Authentic performance. I don't know. I'm just I'm just playing with you. I don't know. That, that's a as what though, just as just claiming it is authentic or not. Okay, let me go back. I, yes, I think it's authentic because the characters authentically react to what's around them. Okay. Civil War reenactors. Inauthentic. Marlon Brando in um, Cat on a Hot. No, Cat on a Hot. Jesus Christ! You should take away my theater. <laughs> Credentials. Marlon Brando in a streetcar named Desire. Inauthentic. Are we saying not authentic or inauthentic? Because they're two different things. I okay. Like. Yeah. Um, the, the, the film I'm Still Here. Oh, man, I love that movie. Yeah. People hated it. Um, I think it's authentic. Bernie Sanders. The person? Or the meme. <laughs> I'm once again asking you if I am authentic. Yes. Yeah. But why do I get... But, but is it his maleness that I'm ascribing authenticity to him? Yes. Well, because my next question was going to be Elizabeth Warren. I actually think she's authentic. I do, too. Um, I think that... I mean, there's always a performance in political acts. Right. But, I, I, but I think that she is, she is accessing affect in a more even-handed way. That's a good way to put it. I think that what why I say she's authentic is that I think that she is kind of like, um, I forgot the name of it, This the theater training that you have to access memories and access authentic Strasburg. moments in your life. And I feel like those are all authentic, but I guess kind of the, the constructed part is that it's an assemblage of these different moments put together, packaged in a way. To present her as a candidate. I don't think that's bad. Okay. Well, that brings me to the next one. Lee Strasberg in Godfather Part (laughs) 2. I did not see it. The Declaration of Independence that is sitting in the National Archives. Ooh. I think materially it's no longer authentic because it's in the context of a museum. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, The Rutherford B. Hayes uh, Museum. I mean, museums are authentic in that the knowledge they are showing. But if you're talking about authentic artifacts, that's... You know, I've been really into manifestos lately. (laughs) I noticed that. You would have loved um, Dr. Chambers' directing class because our final 
um, project for that was to write a manifesto. I think I want to write a manifesto. I think I want you to write a manifesto too. I think that might be helpful for I, you. It can't be the one I wrote earlier because that's like just like a chronicle of my darkness. The one that you wrote to me on. Oh Facebook yes, where Messenger. I, which, like I was, you, you know, I would have written God is dead if it wasn't already campy. Is <laughs> is Nietzsche campy? No. Is Nietzsche authentic? Valerie Solanas. She's very authentic, and that's and, what I love about her. Andy Warhol. I think that he's authentic. The Dandy Warhols. Um, did I ever tell you the story about how I insulted them on Twitter? And they, I was at waiting to see them at a concert, and they were 30 minutes late, and I tweeted. This is in the early days of Twitter. I don't really know how it worked. I said, Jesus Christ, the Dandy Warhols are over 40 years old already. They can get to a place on time. And then they, the, so uh, the, the keyboardist actually runs their Twitter account because I saw her up there looking at it and tweeting me back. Chuck Tingle. I think that he is... I mean, that's a... that's a Yeah. 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 Yes, authentic? Yes, but not not in a way where there's an original that he is a signifier for. Yeah. He's like, like a signifier without a reverend. Um, grocery store sushi. Um, the What happens 30 minutes later is very authentic. No. The Hard Rock Cafe. Perhaps... The, I don't know the name of the theater, the one that Disney bought, the one that's showing The Lion King. The Nederlander? Yeah, the Nederlander Theater. I've, I've been in that, I yeah, I've been in there. I would, I had an authentic experience in there. Okay. I think the, like, a theater becomes authentic because of what happens in it. Like, I can be cynical about anything else. Theaters are fucking temples. The Hello Kitty store in the Japan World Showcase at Epcot Center. Oh, so the San Remo? Yeah. I don't think so. Okay. Um, the smell of baking cookies that comes out of the bakery at Main Street in the Magic Kingdom. No, but I'm not sure why now. Because it's fake. It's, it's not the actual. They pump that out of right. the great Three master men are now going to come in the room and take me away because I gave away a Disney secret. Press releases from the provost. Inauthentic. Do you think that authenticity reprivileges orality over tact over typography? No. So you think that that written text is as capable of being authentic as oral spoken word, spoken utterances? Yeah. Okay. Because there are a lot of people that believe that the unpredictability of language where like Language is always in flow in a liminal space between what is said directly before and what is directly out. Creates a context which, which inscribes that with more. Yeah, but you can always whatever pops into your head. You don't always say that right away. Right. So really, how yeah. is that? You know, how is that? I understand your point. Like I, I see people when you want to comment from somebody in the news getting an actual oral comment from them than getting, like, a, a female comment mm-hmm. is way better. Also, in research and ethnography, you know, oral history, like, sending out surveys, people think that's not as authentic. McDonald's. Be- authentic. PhD programs. No, of course they're authentic. No, they're totally authentic. No, I mean, it's it's this imagined community of scholars in this sort of, like social construct of an institution. I think that authentic... It's not bad. Yeah, I don't think it's any less authentic than other imagined communities. I don't think that being... I don't think authentic equals good. 
right. or better. I think it depends on the situation. Look, the, the modern idea of working in an office is inauthentic. You know, you're going to this space all at the same time to do this work and you're measured on some sort of productivity. You know, I mean, is that, none of that is really authentic. Does tempering your personality automatically make you inauthentic? I don't know because if we do that all the time, according to Goffman. I've I'm I've tempered my personality because I got sick of being um, called a, um, a mansplaining asshole. By me? I don't think you actually use the word asshole. No. Yeah, uh, you you were very complimentary of me. Um, like I, I what I'm I don't have to worry about being too authentic in this podcast because I also know if I go too far, you'll edit it out. Yeah. <laughs> Is that like I've I said some things last week that I am very glad you edited out and I can hear the cut and I don't I, remember what was it I'll cut this out I'm not gonna I'm not okay. gonna say because like that would make more work for you so when I'm looking at the audacity file yeah. you start to recognize the shape of certain words yes and I started to recognize the shape of your cadence yeah especially when you got very talky and i can anticipate it was like i could see it the way that the sound waves i was like uh lena dunham i think she's authentic i do too the which um, is why people don't like her the duplass brothers i think they're inauthentic ted kaczynski i think he's authentic war of the worlds i mean it's a fictional in, in it's it's authentic in that it's a fictional narrative and it does all the things the fictional narrative does. It has, it's told in linear time. So what makes linear time authentic? Well, in when you're telling a story, because language happens chronologically, you can only tell the story in that language. Now, the actual content of the story could jump all over the place, but let's say I'm telling you a story right now, you can't mix up the words. Right. It will change the entire fabric of it. So syntax matters with authenticity. When you're talking about a narrative. Because I'm talking about what is the form? What are the formal properties of a story? That's or of a film? Or of, like, what makes a film a film? What makes a podcast a podcast? Right. RSS so, feed. Well, well, yeah, an RSS feed. Yeah. Um, RSS feed's authentic. Sometimes our Apple podcast is not val- Apple podcast is not validating our RSS feed. I don't oh, know that's why. annoying. I know. Any last oh, words? Um, do we have anything we want to plug? Um, like this I, podcast. <laughs> yeah, tell your friends about this podcast. If you if you write scholarship about podcasts, considering citing this um, in your work, um, we can put um, suggested citation in the in the notes maybe i don't feel like doing that okay we don't have to do that then Um, but if you have if you have if you have scholarship on podcasts that we maybe don't you don't think we know about let us know let us know um hit the subscribe button um rate and review us on itunes no you can't you um, can't. I have a newsletter you can subscribe to. that's right is it a tiny letter no it's a sub stack a sub stack the 40 year old grad student .substack.com. It's free right now. Substack is the name of my favorite sandwich place in Brooklyn. Bye. Bye.